I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. The months of November and December are when a lot of the festivals on the Canadian Fringe circuit hold their lotteries. And a bunch of performers just found out which festivals they'll be performing at this summer. I thought it might be fun to sit down with a number of Fringe performers and talk to them about the shows that they will be bringing to festivals near you. Also in this conversation, seasoned touring artists join artists that are newer to touring and share what it's like fringing across Canada. Joining me are Keith Brown, Jess Gorman, Tim Murphy, Sarah Ivanko, Kendall Savage, Georgia Finley, and Evan Boddenheimer. Here's our roundtable discussion. I want to thank you all for joining me. Um, all of you uh, are uh, uh, artists who have uh, uh, almost, for some of you, just found out that you are part of the Fringe Festival, some Fringe Festival on the Canadian uh, Fringe Festival circuit. Um, uh, uh, we have uh, a number of them, a number of you. Uh, I want to thank you all for for joining me. Uh, so I want to start, I'll call each of you. Um, if, if, if you don't mind, I would like to you to tell me a little bit about, uh, who you are, uh, what show, uh, you are, uh, going to be presenting at a fringe festival. Some of you may have, uh, more knowledge about that than others. Cause it is early days as far as that goes. Um, uh, and what fringe festival or festivals that you'll be attending, you'll be attending. I'm going to start, uh, with first person to my right, uh, with, uh, Evan. Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me, Phil. My name is Evan Bottenheimer. I'm a bipolar playwright from Toronto, Ontario. And the only French festival that I intend on going to as of right now is the Toronto French Festival. I have a TYA play, a theater-free audience play called Patty Picker. It's about a high school student who is just living her ordinary life until her deep, dark, secret shame becomes public to everyone in the school. She picks her nose. Thank you for that. Um, we'll come back to that. Uh, uh, Keith, tell me about uh, about who you are in your show and what fringe festivals that you're going to. Sure. My name is Keith Brown. Uh, I do a magic and storytelling show. 
Uh, right now, I'm in the Saskatoon Fringe, and that's the first time I will ever have done that festival is this summer. Uh, this summer is also my 10th year touring in a row. Uh, and I'm going to be in a bring your own venue in Edmonton. I'm exploring Winnipeg and I'm, we're waiting for the rest. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. Yeah. Uh, I'm just doing Ottawa fringe next year. I've, I've been doing fringe for a long time, but I have twin girls now. And so I can only do so much happily. Uh, my show is Babylon. I did it maybe four years ago, but I'm rewriting it. The tagline is talking is easy until it's with someone you love. And it's pretty much a, a love uh, love letter to my parents with a side of a lot of cheesy breakup ballads, uh, attachment theory, and lessons from my roommate at a mental health ward, who at the time was an active member of parliament. Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Sarah Ivanko. I use she, they pronouns. Um, I am a producer, performer, and creator with Trip the Light Theater Collective. Um, this year, we'll be going to Montreal Fringe, Ottawa Fringe, and Winnipeg Fringe, which is very exciting. It's our first kind of little tour as a collective. Um, we just started doing Fringe last year. Um, and so our big show that we're doing is called Nui. It's a uh, devised dance theater piece um, that follows four queer characters uh, nightclubbing. It's a really bright, fun adventure. Nice. Nice. Jess, please tell me a little bit about your show and uh, uh, about you and about uh, the the festivals that you're going to. Okay. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Jess. Uh, I'm, I've only done Fringe. This will be my third time, but I will be going to the Edmonton Fringe Festival. Uh, I did apply for Hamilton as well, so cross our fingers there. I am working on a solo show called Boxed, and this will be my second solo show, but this one is going to be exploring um, the time I got diagnosed with ADHD. It was a late diagnosis. I'm going to be mixing autobiographical elements, but I really want to explore mm -hmm. fiction and get into a different plot. Uh, than sticking with my own narrative. But the show deals with a character who has packed up their entire house and they are all done the night before the big move and they realize that they have forgotten something very important and they need it now, but they can't remember what that is. And now they're faced with the decision of unpacking all the boxes or try and figure out what it is by following a paper trail, so to speak. So kind of a, a bit of a mystery. Uh, kind of my real life. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall, please tell me about, about you and your show. Hi, my name is Kendall Savage. Uh, I'm currently located in Toronto, but I'll be going to the Montreal Fringe with my show, A Truck Stop Diner in the Middle of Nowhere on the Night Shift. It's a, a clown show. I'm the former uh, co-creator and artistic director of the Montreal Clown Festival. And it's uh, someone looking for love on the night shift and a lot of jello. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck on jello. We'll, we'll, we will come back to that. We'll come back to that. Uh, 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 Georgia, tell me about your show. 
Hi, I'm Georgia Findlay. I'm an actor, uh, playwright, and producer. I'm going to be um, doing a show at the Edmonton Fringe this year. I did Toronto back in 2022, and it will be a remount of the show that I did in Toronto in 2022. It's called Joan and Olivia, a Hollywood Ghost Story, and it is based on the real-life feud between um, old Hollywood movie stars Joan Fontaine and Olivia de Havilland, who were sisters who had this lifelong rivalry. And I kind of take a supernatural twist and uh, see what they're doing in the afterlife and um, if they're up to no good and they influence some new children who move into their house. So it's a bit of a dramedy. Um, It's got some high personal stakes, but also a lot of uh, sort of quippy fun. That's great. Okay. There's a couple of things that I want to touch on from a couple of people. Uh, actually, Georgia, I want to ask you about the fact. So the show that, that you did in Toronto, it was a, a four person cast. Um, a lot of times when people tour, they, 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 it, it's, there's a lot of solo performing. There's a lot of of, of, of maybe two-person casts. You don't see a lot of uh, uh, four-person casts, which is not a, a big group per se, but for a touring show, uh, uh, it's it's a little bit uh, uh, lar- on the large size. Side, uh, what are you? What are your feelings about the logistics of that? And uh, are you frightened? Are you? What's the, what? How are you feeling about about that aspect of it so far? Well, I think I might be a little bit naively optimistic. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I understand that it is a bit more of an undertaking. And I do think about, oh, if I only had to worry about, you know, one plane ticket or two plane tickets for me and a stage manager. But um, something that is very reassuring for me is that when we did the show in Toronto, we had a very successful fundraising campaign um, that honestly gave us more than enough to put the show on in Toronto. And I learned a lot from that experience. And I want to take what I've learned in the past sort of two years about that as well um, and works towards that. And, you know, I've sort of been budgeting how much our flight's going to cost. And I know that they also provide a lot of billets in Edmonton and a lot of the people that I'm working with know people in Edmonton. So I'm not too concerned about um, places to stay at least for the budget. And, you know, we have things like we already have costumes and a lot of it is already sort of, pre-made because the hustle and bustle of of frantically writing the show happened in 2022 so now i can really focus on producing and making sure that we can all get there um so i'm feeling optimistic but check in with me in i don't know five months and maybe i will be singing a different tune but i feel like we can do it and i'm excited and i think it's going to be really fun you know a bunch of collaborators who enjoy each other and each other's work um basically taking time off work going to a new city and having a, like a slumber party every night so i'm stoked <laughs> nice now are you are you working with the same cast uh, as you did when you were doing it in toronto um it's a little bit up in the air right now i have one person who has confirmed that she cannot do it um for completely reasonable uh reasons and we had a conversation and left on very very friendly terms there's no hard feelings at all um But something that I think for me has grown a lot since that first Fringe is I feel like that was a great introduction for me into the, you know, the vast Toronto theater scene. And I feel like 
that daunting word, like my network has grown a lot more. So I already feel like there are people that I can go to who might show some interest. I've already been sort of courting uh, an actor friend of mine um, and I'm hoping for the best, but it's an evolving conversation. Right now, it seems like we will be having the same director, but there are definitely shakeups that are going to happen. But I'm I'm kind of excited by that. I think there is something refreshing about seeing something that I wrote um, through new eyes and how different people might interpret it. So I absolutely loved the work of the first cast, and I'm so grateful for everything they contributed. But if there is a reason that they can't participate, I feel like it's just um, an exciting new challenge to see what we can make of it this time. Now, on the flip side of that, um, uh, Jess, you are uh, going for your first time uh, to Edmonton uh, with a solo show that you're you're still working on. But um, you've done some fringes before, but there's something different about this time what's what's new about this uh this time the going first off you haven't been to edmonton before uh what else is what else is new for you uh, in this instance well i find that my um with my first show this is step one i performed that in london and ottawa and that was completely autobiographical from beginning to me to oh my goodness i can't talk from beginning to end with this one it's not so much that i don't want to present myself on stage it's that i actually want the challenge of now developing myself as a character and seeing where these stories can go because this diagnosis came while i was on maternity leave uh with my little guy and it was such a beautiful wonderful, messy period of my life. Um, there was a lot that I underestimated, like thinking that I could just jump right back into these projects that I love after three months. And that was not the case. But being able to explore that more with some fiction is new for me. And Instead of taking it purely from a storytelling perspective of, I'm going to tell you little segments and they're all going to tie together nicely, I really want to explore the five-act play in 60 minutes. So that's relatively new. And to take it to Edmonton. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing is, I think that, that, that you mentioned that in previous times when you've traveled, you haven't like done a show uh, gone by yourself. And this time you're going in uh without without your husband without your usual support network you're just going completely solo to edmonton um, oh yeah that's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> we were we were originally going to frame this as you know a family vacation so to speak and we were all going to go but my husband approached me one night and thought you know just discussed the idea of me going alone and i felt guilty for so long. I didn't want to go because I don't want to miss that time with my kiddo. But at the same token, though, I feel like I need this as an artist. I need to have that. I've never gotten that before to go venture off on my own. That's, I mean, it's pretty exciting. I know that I know that uh, both uh, Keith and Tim have done plenty of uh, going off on their own uh, for uh, uh, their time as when they were 
on the circuit uh, with Tim, who hasn't, you know, done, reducing the amount of fringes that you did. But when I was uh, in 2012, when I was uh, on the on the circuit doing a couple of fringes, you were very heavily into a, a yearly yearly circuit. And Keith, um, ten years on the circuit, um, what do you, what do the two of you have? Do you have advice that you could give to uh, to to Jess uh, for uh, going in completely solo? I'll I'll jump in. I, it's one thing I didn't realize when I started in 2009. It's just the, and I know you've experienced it. I think more so. It's just the community is just uh, they're so supportive. It's it's it's, and I find Edmonton. It's very daunting, very daunting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, from the first night at uh, what is it Next Act? I think right. Is that what's yep. called? Or then Steel uh, Wheels and uh, yeah. And I think actually maybe being on your own without your family as a new dad. I think it might be a blessing actually, just that you can just. Go out at night and and see other and seeing other shows and supporting. That's that's the biggest. Is meet as many people as you can. Yeah, Edmonton will definitely not be a vacation because it is the biggest, and you are working, and everyone you know will be there, and everyone you don't know because you're going to meet them. But like you're all so busy doing the thing that like Edmonton's one of the few times on tour that I'm like, hey. Like, you're not going to hear from me for the next two weeks. Like, I'm going to be busy. You're going to have to check my social media to see what I'm doing. Or like, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to connect at the right moment when, you know, I actually have a break and you're not talking to someone about your show and this and that. But also like as much of a, a grind as it can be, Edmonton isn't as big as it used to be since the pandemic. Like they're not back at, 289 shows there were like 180 190 which is still a lot but it's not as much of like oh my god i you know i have to talk to more people i have to do this i have to do that and it can be a grind and it can wear you out but also it can be so incredibly rewarding beyond other festivals because it is operating at that level and they do have a great community where like most artists go to steel wheels at, at night they also have a late night cabaret that's unlike any other cabaret on the circuit montreal is like a close second in my opinion that they have similar things going on but different but like you can go see an incredible cabaret show see stuff with your friends and there's always things to go see and yeah I know we've already we've already talked in private a bunch about Edmonton and you're <laughs> welcome to ask me more stuff about that because I have like little ideas for Edmonton um kind of yeah. thing. So here's here's one is Edmonton has a theater goers club. They have a giant group of people who organize meetups to go see shows year round, but during the fringe, that's like their Olympics. And before they used to they would like go to the beer tent, set up a little tabletop be like this is the theater goers club and you just meet there and you drink beer and then they'd be like hey what's the next next discount show on that one let's go to it and then they meet there again so like throughout the day people come people go but you can reach out to them and you can say hey i have a show would you like 30 tickets to it and they will fill seats like i've given them 30 40 50 tickets before and they're like hey uh, can we have some more and you're like sure especially early on in your run. Like if you want to paper your house one time, these are the people who will help you. And because 
they're theater nerds and they go to all of the shows, they're going to be walking around talking about your show. So that's like a great partnership that you can make in Edmonton is, is, is find someone in the Edmonton theater goers club or ask me cause I have a person and I always just like connect artists to them, give them some tickets on a day that isn't the greatest or early in your run and they will, they will go out. I've been doing that for like four or five years and it's awesome. Like that's brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant that that network even exists. Well, yeah, like Edmonton also has the the pump up the volume, the comp tickets that they're like, you can give these out. And like, I give one to you and then you buy two tickets, whatever, it's a deal. But you have to find those people. You talk to one person and they bring 30 people to your show. It's like, it's a no brainer to me. It's so much less effort than a lot of the marketing and hustling. And then you have a bunch of people talking about your show. Kendall, um, I'm going to go to you because, I mean, first off, um, you've got a whole lot of exciting stuff coming up, you know, being back in, in Montreal, uh, which is sort of your clown heart, uh, being at the head of that there, the clown festival there for so long. Um, in addition to, um, you've been touring a very successful, uh, 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 turn, uh, to, um, act. uh, your hot dog act, um, where, um, you have been, uh, I mean, you've done it in Vegas, in New York, um, you're shortlisted for uh the uh the absinthe show at caesar's palace to do it there so um i have two questions um, not to do the hot dog act to, no, sorry, no no to, not to i mean just to make that clear for the character of wanda i'm shortlisted um i actually have to retire the hot dog act for reasons that i'm not allowed to share <laughs> uh, the for those <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a very notoriously fantastic uh, hot dog act where I serve hot dogs out my vagina. And that it's a little out of context. Uh, I have been toying with the idea of doing it for the very last time at one of the midnight shows at Montreal. So it's going to be really special. But <laughs> <laughs> um, So the question that I, I, I have um, for uh, this show um, in, 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 in Montreal um, is there anything you could tell us about about what Jello has to do with this show? I don't. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to give it too okay. too much away. It's still the show is still uh, in process of being created with my director Jed Tomlinson from the clown duo Sizzle and Spark, mm. award winning clown show uh, couple uh, duo. Um, the I have uh, one of my hobbies is the passion for aspects. So aspects is any kind of vintage food that's been gelatinized. So um, because the show takes place in like a, a 1970s truck stop diner at about two, two, three AM in the morning, I'm just trying to include uh, her world that we're creating on stage um, time time-related era-themed recipes in the show in that Angelo naturally, because of my passion for aspic recipes, was at the top of my list to use. Um, As a child of the 70s, who grew up in the 70s, I do recall um, everything being in Jell-O at some point. So every kind of food that you can imagine went into Jell-O, and it was disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, Sarah, um, 
you in this, as far as the, the, the group here goes, I think you're the only person doing a primarily dance physical show. Um, which, which festivals are you doing? Uh, so we are doing Montreal, Ottawa, and Winnipeg. Nice. Uh, okay. Which is going to be a lot, but it's going to be really fun. <laughs> Uh, wait, Montreal and Ottawa? Because those two... I, yes, they overlap. <laughs> they can overlap. I knew somebody last year who had to drive from Montreal to Ottawa to like do yeah. like do their show in Montreal, do their drive to Ottawa to do their show, and then go back to Montreal. That's a big. Yeah. That's a big thing. Um, how many people what? are in your cast? Four. <laughs> So we have a four-person cast, and then we have our stage manager and director that come with us. So it's a, it's a big group of us, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but luckily, like we are Ottawa-based, um, so a lot of us have gone back and forth to Montreal, and it's not too big of a deal. Um, but we are super excited to bring Nui back. We did it at Ottawa Fringe and Guelph Fringe last summer. Um, but yeah, it's dance theater is a bit odd like there is a lot of like movement based and physical theater within it and there are specific just solely dance numbers uh but we have a lot of like just dialogue scenes we have musical scenes we have scenes where it's just regular dialogue and we are walking but doing really weird movement at the same time while having this conversation um it, it I really like it. It's a really dynamic like art style. It's not something I had done before. I've only about like two years into it at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm I'm very excited to be bringing it to so many cities this summer. Nice. Is this your first time doing a a, a tour of any size? Uh, I would say depends what you constitute a tour um last summer it was only two fringes and and one of them was guelph which is fairly small it's only about four days but it's lovely lovely community guelph fringe i cannot hype them up enough but uh yeah this will be like our first big tour nice i personally consider anytime you leave your home city to be a tour yeah so that, that's one city that's a tour um, Evan, I think that you were the only person in the group that is doing a, a, a theater for young audiences show, um, and you're doing that at the Toronto Fringe at the at the, there uh, at the at the, the Kids Fringe there. Um, what's your Fringe history uh, like uh, as far as like producing shows at Fringe festivals? This is the first play I will have done ever since graduating university of any capacity of any kind. I have not done anything in the last 10 years but read and write. So in terms of my first fringe, this is my first thing. Okay, big deal. Big deal. Congratulations yes. on that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um so what I'm going to ask you, what was the impetus for 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 doing for submitting this show to try to do this show? Well, about uh, six months ago, I got into contact with a local TYA touring company and we just hit it off and I said, I would love to write something for you. And so I came up with a first draft in about 48 hours and they said they loved it. And it's, it was a really easy, because once I knew that TYA touring shows have to be uh, small cast, low budget, touring friendly under 45 minutes and really like simple and dialogue based everything just clicked and is able to come up with a script really quickly 
and I've been working on it for the last few uh, weeks. And I eventually spoke to the AD there and said, this would make a great Fringe show. So I applied to Toronto Fringe. Nice. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, last couple of people that I haven't really talked to about their shows, uh, Tim, um, your show, you know, you're sort of doing like the Ottawa Fringe rather than the epic tours that you once did. Um, as far as like uh, your, your, what's your history with, with Ottawa Fringe? Uh, uh, is that like coming home for you? What's the, what, what's, what's your history with that festival? Yeah, I first was 2009. At that point, I was teaching overseas in Kuwait and would come home in the summer uh, and then later on in Toronto. But I think I've done Ottawa Fringe five or six times now with uh, three of my shows and a few. Blind to Happiness, I've done three times actually over the years because I kind of revamped it in 2016 from 2009. So I've done Ottawa. I've been lucky with the Ottawa. Well, I should, the first two times I did BYOB, but other than that, lucky in the lottery. Yeah. And it's nice to be, I've been home for four years now back in Ottawa. So it's nice to be, be p- back performing regularly at the Ottawa nice. Fringe. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith, um, as far as, as uh, you are doing, as far as you know, you're doing one Fringe Festival this summer. Um, no, you're doing Edmonton. You're doing the, you're doing the, the, B, the, are you doing it at the, at the French uh, school? Yeah. Or is it a different video? Yeah. So I got pulled in Saskatoon for the first time, and I'm going to be in the French Quarter Hub, which is run by John Patterson, and I'm going to be in Campus St. John, which is uh, across the street from like Looney Theater and La Cité Auditorium, where that like half circle shaped building is. We're in. I'm in like the school across the street. Uh, They have a nice auditorium there that's a little bit bigger, Um, and yeah. If you're doing two fringes, is this a small tour for you? Is this smaller than what you would normally do? Or is that, and of course, it's just the luck of the draw, right? And that's the thing. It's very stupid that we have a business plan that relies off of someone pulling your name out of an actual hat. And like, congrats on getting in Toronto. 800 people apply, 80 to 90 get in. Um, So yeah, like, it's not like the odds are in your favor. Uh, but they're meant to be there that way, right? So, yeah, I didn't get into Edmonton, and I've done BYOV before, as well as, like, that's actually what I did my first year there and took all my Winnipeg money and kissed it goodbye. Uh, but now I've been enough that people will come see the show, which is nice, and it's worth taking that extra risk. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be in the the French Quarter for for Edmonton. But part of it is because of it is the draw – like I think the most I'm looking it up is what I'm doing right now is the least I've ever done is one in a summer. And that was the pandemic year. Like that was 2021 because Edmonton was like the only festival doing stuff. Um, Beyond that, I think four is the smallest number. And then the most is seven in a summer. Hmm. So yeah, this is like a smaller tour as well as I really want to hit five this summer because that'll bring me to 50 Uh festivals. So I'm like, I was like, it would be real nice to hit 50 on your 10th anniversary of touring, but yeah, we'll see what the lottery gods have in store for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Evan, I think you had something that you wanted to say. Yeah. uh, I do agree completely with what Keith says about the hat based fortune of your, uh, of the lottery. That being said, the Toronto Fringe did something very particular this year that I thought was quite interesting. For anyone who applied to Toronto Fringe this year, 
you could apply to the general uh, lottery, the Ontario, the national lottery, the international lottery. And then they have subsections for demographics. But there was like the dance one and then uh, the, there was one specifically for TYA, specifically for teens TYA, specifically for, I think there's one for BIPOC as well. So one, one, while there was like 800 or so uh, people who applied it generally for Ontario, I applied for the teens fringe, teens TYA fringe. Do you know how many people applied for the teens TYA fringe? Not a lot. Nine. Okay. Do you know how many people from that nine got in? Four. The and odds are pretty good for that one. Mm-hmm. Odds so are pretty if good you had for that a teens one. Teens Toronto play. Your odds were one in nine of getting in. Uh, their category Which I think is is interesting. They also do have the diversity lottery where they're having anyone from a minority like be chosen first. Yeah, and then after they and they have fifty percent goes towards this this marginalized community lottery. And then once they do that fifty percent of the slots available then they throw everyone's names in yeah and toronto also doesn't have a local category ontario is their local category because people would use their grandma's address in hamilton and get a second application in and things like that so to get around that they're like hey everyone on ontario gets to apply uh kind of thing but yeah they have they have some interesting categories like uh senior five yeah over six yeah They had International 60, National 60, Kids Fest Teen, General 90, Ontario, which included Dance Senior and Ontario 60. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, now, uh, uh, Keith, you bring up a very interesting point about uh, uh, keeping – about a business plan that relies on uh, uh, essentially chance. Um, and, uh, you know, you – there are two reasons to do fringe. Number one, you would like to get your work seen. Number two, you would like to not go bust. You would like to make some money. You're probably not going to make a lot of money, but you would at least like to break even, um, which is hard to to do with a business plan if you're um, not sure uh, what your uh, if you're even going to get into fringes and things like that. Um, in Europe, they do it a different way, where you apply to a venue and you pay the venue, although. Um, a lot of times people will say that the only people who make money in those fringes, especially say, for example, the Edinburgh fringe are the venues. Um, so there's like, it's, it's a, there's a bit of a, 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 a give and take there. Um, is, do you see, do any of you see a better way than the lottery uh, for doing, uh, for selecting fringe or is lottery basically, I think the most egalitarian thing that we have. I guess the better question is how would you choose yeah, like one of the tenets of Fringe is that it's uncensored, like it's raw, yeah. uncut kind of thing. So yeah. they don't go, hey, we like you, we don't like you, we like you, we don't like you. Whereas the like Edinburgh, Australia, Hollywood Fringe, those venues curate themselves and you're like, hey, I'll pay you for a show a day and I want seven o'clock or I want nine o'clock. You have the same time slot right? the entire month. Uh, and those festivals are massive. Uh, whereas the Canadian ones, like there's, there's, there is like a magic to having your name drawn. I'm like, Oh my God, I got in. There are also ways around that, like bring your own venue where you find your own venue, you show up anyways. And not everyone has that. Like Toronto has the unconventional spaces, which is more, Hey, my show can't be in a theater. It has to be in this bar and here's why, or whatever the, the site specific thing is. But 
that's part of the beauty of it is that there are people that you're like, oh my God, like there are people like Mike Delamont and Chase Padgett that are up there who are, or who, who have massive draw, who do Mervish, who you're like, why, why don't I see you on TV kind of thing that they might not be there the next year, but you also have the person who is their first time doing the fringe and they get a shot and they get a crack at it and they get to produce their show for a small amount than they would normally independently. And the Canadian ones, there's something special of like, hey, you get a noon, you get a midday, you get a five, you get a late night, like you get a prime time. So like it is pretty equal all the way through and you're going to get stuff that's great and stuff that's complete garbage, but everyone deserves a crack at it. So yeah. Sorry, I just think it's it's interesting in the sense of when it comes to how many people now are involved for shows and how they're chosen. There also used to be off fringes that would sort of tag on to the fringes, which I thought were pretty magical. And I don't know about all the fringes, but Montreal had this wild off fringe where anything went. Uh, and, and it wasn't part of the fringe. It was like the anti-fringe. And as I recall, years ago, Toronto had something similar. So you'd be going into these teeny tiny people's apartments where they had pushed all the furniture away and you'd see this one woman show and it would be fantastic. And um, I think it would be a, a lot more magical if some of those sort of events came back too. And that would give people more opportunity to perform and perform maybe some a little more interesting things too. Yeah. Uh, Toronto yeah. did used to have uh, BYOVs in the same way that that Montreal and a lot of and and, and mm-hmm. a lot of other fringes uh, uh, had. Uh, this is like maybe fifteen years ago or more. Um, they hated it. Uh, they hated the idea of somebody uh, being able to pay to perform uh, to to skip the line. At least that's the reason they give. Um, although they have had uh, shows that they. Uh, sponsor and do a fundraiser with, and they're not always upfront with what those shows are. Um, so those people get like a prime shot in a prime a prime space um, when that occurs. But um, uh, uh, they did used to do it, and then they decided they wanted to go for something more like uh, what they do now, which is the uh, the seat specific fringe. Um, again, it, I I sorry, but I tried to apply for a site specific last year <laughs> or the year before, where I have several plays written in the back of a car. And they don't make site-specific easy at all to get into. It's it's shockingly difficult. And I think it takes, I don't know. I'm a bit of a anarchist in the sense that I want to see theater not just in theaters. Like Montreal a couple of years ago had um, a food truck pull out and there, and there was a puppet show and they let someone do their show out of a food truck, which I thought was incredible. I want to see some more interesting stuff. I want to see I want to see a show in the back of someone's 1959 Nash Metropolitan car, which is uh, what I wrote. I Orlando. Don't know. I don't know. Orlando has had a bunch of shows in cars, so I think that's the city you got to do it in. I also do know with Toronto and their venues is they get a lot of grant money, whether that's municipally, provincially, or federally, to make the venues accessible. So any fringe proper venue must be fully accessible. And that includes washrooms. Otherwise, they they won't put a show in there. And a lot of BYOVs, it's like, hey, this is a great spot, but there's stairs. 
It's not accessible and they, they want to be more inclusive and they have put a lot of work into their accessibility in the last few years, which I do really, really like because not every festival provides you with those resources. No. And one of the things I remember a couple of years ago at the Winnipeg Fringe, they had their uh, uh, big awards. The Jennies uh, occurred at a space that was not accessible. That happens upstairs. Mm -hmm. Big awards. I know it's not really that it's like you you get a donkey, Um, but it was upstairs and that was not an accessible space. So there were people who couldn't who couldn't access it. as far as uh, as as for those of you who are not what you would call what I would call, fr- you know, who might be fringe veterans, you know, if it's your first time or your first time uh, sort of like going out on your own. Um, what is the thing that is that that scares you the most right now? Is, is it is it uh, what what is it that the, I mean, it can also be exciting because uh, it's it's exciting, too. But like it, it can be frightening. I know I, I am terrified of Edmonton. As far as a performance thing. So um, those of you who are going to Edmonton, <laughs> good for you. Um, but as far as as far as what you are nervous about or frightened of, tell me uh, what 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 is, what are those things? I can say it right now. There's not a day that goes by where I don't say I made the biggest fucking mistake of my life. What have I done? Oh, my gosh. Like I was in Home Depot when I found out that. I got drawn and my face of shock was so many emotions. But besides from coming to a whole other city I've never been to, I work from home, but my work is primarily in Edmonton. So I'm excited to go see a city I've never seen, but work out of. It's also, um, I mentioned this to Keith, actually. Keith and I was very generous with his time and giving me some advice about it, but it was a how am I going to keep up with this tiny little solo show that's half fiction, half autobiographical while not getting lost in the crowd? And how am I going to market this thing and make it interesting enough? Because I've done the solo show before. And the question that gets asked through my own work is why the show? Why should somebody come and invest an hour of their time to see you? What is it about you that's interesting? And I think getting caught in that cycle is vicious and it can be a hindrance to your work because then you start asking, is this interesting enough? Is it interesting enough? And you don't need to keep asking yourself that. I think if me as the performer, if I find it interesting, then I hope that by sharing that it makes it interesting. So I think that's my overall fear is getting caught up of if I'm interesting enough. I'm going to encourage Evan. Evan, you, I think that you sort of feel along the same lines as uh, as Jess. What what are your feelings about of being a first time? First off, first time uh, uh, doing something first time at Fringe. Uh, I have an inflated sense of self esteem regarding my work, so I do not have that kind of sense where I am like I I feel good about my work. I've I've been working at this for about ten years. My concern is similar to Jess's in the sense of I'm worried that this might be the biggest mistake that I've made because all I have is a script. I literally have nothing else and I have no one else. I have no team. I have no performers. I have like two people, three people who've read the script say it's good and that's it. I've paid my participation fee, so I'm in this. I have no intention of performing. I have no intention of reading this. I I wrote this for, I would love to give this to 
two young women out of theater school who want to perform and one young woman who wants to direct because it is like low budget, low, like regular costumes, a couple of props. And it's really quick. And it's a really good challenge, I think, for a performer. But I know no one. Especially now, it's it, as we're recording this podcast, it's December 18th. And I have, what, seven months, seven, eight months to get people to commit to that timeline is so difficult. And that's just for Toronto. If I wanted to apply to a fringe out of the city I live in, that's next to impossible because I know no one. The Hamilton Fringe is open. I got an email just this morning from Eventron saying the Hamilton Fringe is open. Will you? I think we all got that email. Will you apply? And my answer is a swift no because I don't <laughs> know anyone there. And even though this, 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 the project that I have, it travels really light. Two, three people could get into a car and go anywhere with this show. It is so incredibly tour, tourable and fringeable, but I don't know anyone. That's my biggest fear is that in the seven months that I'll be asking, I'm asking coworkers if they can help me with this. <laughs> I'm asking, I'm pulling every favor in my hat from everyone who I've met in the last 10, 15 years to say, I'm finally doing this. Can you help me? And it's whether or not it adds up. That is but, that but is my work is great. My work is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the essence of fringe. I have a script and I need some people to do it. Um, Sarah, a um, question for yes, sorry, go ahead, Kendall. Or uh, I would love to read your script. If you want to send it my way, we can exchange emails and I, I'll see how I can help you. Uh, awesome. Also, pretty much Toronto Fringe has like a board of people so if you're looking for a videographer a stage manager an actor they have like an index of people in the community that you can reach out to you could also there's going to be like a toronto fringe participation group there's also other facebook groups like beyond the fringe where artists talk about festivals outside of those festivals as well as you're both like hey what if this is the biggest mistake i've made but what if it's the best fucking thing you ever did, right? As much as you might fall on your face, what if you fly? What if you fly, right? You have no idea what could happen or what you will make happen. And do you need all those people? Probably not. You already made the show by yourselves. So anytime you do have that doubt creeping into you, um, one thing that I've learned is that only highly qualified people experience imposter syndrome. So if you're questioning yourself, you're smart enough to not be the bottom of the barrel who's so (laughs) dumb that they are just like the blind confidence, right? So it means like you're human, as well as if you weren't afraid of this thing, that means you don't give a shit. And if you don't give a shit, why are you doing it? Because you care. You care about this work. You care about putting in front of other people. You care about what they think and what's going to happen with it. So like use that. Use that to put more work in and to talk to more people and find the people in your community who can make it happen for you. So like sometimes you got to tell that voice in your head to fuck off and you do it anyways and you see what happens as well as like it probably won't be your best the first time round. But if you keep showing up, 
you're going to get better and better and better and better. And those people are going to remember you and be like, hey, I saw their show last year. They were funny. They were this. They were that. I'm going to give them my money again, and I'm going to tell friends about it. I'm going to, I'm going to usurp the roundtable for a quick second to tell my Keith Brown story. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so this was last summer. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Carlin Ramey. Yes. Yes. We went to go see your show. And it was, it was a great show. Uh, I, it's fantastic. I, I, I'm a magic person. It's wonderful to see yourself. So you did a fantastic job. But what I loved more about the show was the inspiring messages that you pepper in throughout the, 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 the performance. Especially one that you did about the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Was it New Zealand? Oh, Iceland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iceland. 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 Sorry. Uh, but that's a, another a story within a story. Um, but you basically said the message where it's like, if you, if you want to do something, go for it. Cause the worst thing that could happen is it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, imagine if it does. So after your show, I went for a drink with Carlin and I thought about what you said for a very long time. And I literally asked her, I have, I have a show I want to write. I don't know where, and I don't know why, but I want to write it. It's about a little girl who picks her nose and gets ostracized for it. And she's like, you should write that show. And so I held the back burner. I'm like, oh, maybe not, maybe not. And the opportunity came up, so I wrote it. And that's the show that is going to fringe this summer. And it's because you inspired me to write that play. Nice. Well, you're welcome. I was going to say thank you for that nice comments you said about me, but I guess you're welcome. So it's your fault. I'm so sorry that you got dragged into all this. And for all of the pain and suffering you're about to endure. <clears throat> yes. I blame you and only you for everything <laughs> that is about to happen. I want to, I want to, I want to jump in because I want to, I want to get to uh, a couple of other people. Um, Sarah, I wanted to point out uh, the fringes that you are doing. You're doing Montreal, Ottawa, and Winnipeg. So as far as the fringes go, you're kind of going to little fringe, little fringe, massive fringe. Um, have you been to the Winnipeg Fringe before? Nope. First time. Okay. Okay. Yes, we only started doing Fringe last year. I am like very, very new to this. <laughs> now, when you applied for the Winnipeg Fringe, did you know about its its size? Were you prepared oh, for yeah. that? Okay. Oh, we knew. Okay. Yeah, we had friends who did it last year, and we've we've known a bunch of people who've done it. Uh, so we were very well aware of what we were getting ourselves into. Um, but yeah, getting a, a six people from Ottawa to Winnipeg is going to be a lot. Um, but we're really, really excited. And we've met a lot of people in the fringe community, even just from doing it last year, um, that have given us wonderful advice, um, for going to a big fringe. Um, and our director, uh, her name is Sophie is probably the most marketed minded person I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, and is it very in your face about it. Um, so I'm very happy to have her on our team uh, for definitely that part of Winnipeg Fringe. But yeah, very excited, but but pretty nervous on the same end of things. Um, I want to get jump over to Kendall for a second before I jump over to, to Georgia and Tim. Uh, Kendall, um, you are essentially going home for this festival. Mm. Um, you are returning to, to Montreal after living in Toronto for, for, for a few years. Um, what does coming home to the Montreal Fringe with this, this new clown show mean to you? 
Well, it's uh, it's fantastic. I mean, you have no idea how excited I am uh, because the clown community themselves haven't really seen me perform. I stopped performing clown to focus for many years on the festival. Um, and the last time I really performed clown in Montreal was um, at least a, a full show was 2013. Uh, uh, or 2012, uh, Goye Made Me Cry, my award-winning clown show at the Montreal Fringe. And then I went off to do my master's degree in clown in Edmonton and then came back to Montreal and pretty much started producing and stopped performing. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to be returning as a performer and not as a producer, like I can begin to tell you. It's, it's magical. It's going to be magical. And I'm very fortunate that I already have like a huge community coming out to see the performance because they're also curious uh and i just i like i'm counting the show's not uh ready but by any means it's kind of gotten written a little on paper uh so it's going to be really exciting and I, I just i can't wait i can't wait to go home um what does uh the montreal fringe not just montreal but the fringe itself uh in that city mean to you i think it is i think it, to me, it means a really supportive, wonderful, safe place for people who may not often have the opportunity to perform. Like Fringe itself is so vital, in my opinion, because um, sometimes it's the only performance someone might do for the entire year. And that sort of cathartic experience is what feeds the soul. Like if I performed once a year, I'd be grateful I'd be performing at all, probably. but my my soul wouldn't be fed so if someone doesn't have the opportunity for the rest of the years to do it and they they venture out and they get in um to me it's just like this supportive wonderful community for this healing catharsism that we all need to have if that made any sense absolutely it did <laughs> absolutely it did i saw nodding heads i saw nodding heads um yeah. Georgia, um, you've done, uh, I, I believe that when you did uh, uh, Joan and Olivia at the Toronto Fringe, it was your first Fringe Festival. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about going to the biggest in North America uh, as your next stop with this show? Um, excited, nervous. Um, I was not expecting it, obviously. I mean, I think, you know, talking before about the randomness of getting into a Fringe, um, it's always really exciting. I think I always encourage like pretty much everyone I know who has an idea to apply for any fringes because what are the odds? You know, you like I've, I've applied to a bunch more this year and so far other than Edmonton, it's all been no's, but I mean, I'm very, very happy I got into Edmonton, but yeah, it's intimidating for sure. Um, but I think something, a benefit of having done a production of it, like I have a different kind of nerves, but they're more like, I guess, sort of logistical in the sense of, you know, um, getting plane tickets for everyone. Um, and uh, I think someone mentioned this before, but I think it was Evan actually um, getting people to sign on this far in advance because I have to buy your plane ticket and I can't last minute just switch whose name is on the ticket. So that's something that I'm worried about. But like, I do realize I have, I feel like I have a long time to, you know, before we'll start 
rehearsing or anything like that. So I've, you know, like I said, I've reached out to the previous team and, um, you know, I'm just letting them know the offers on the table, but you have time to get back to me, but, but it's not infinite time. You know, there is a certain point where I need to know if I have to look elsewhere. Um, but again, that's why I'm so grateful that the person who had to pull out of it was able to tell me in December for an August show. Like that's, I'm so grateful for that respect and that forethought because now I can start to brainstorm and start to, yeah, sort of court other people and, and see what's the right fit for this next iteration. But I think one of the biggest advantages is it was an untested show before and I was an untested writer, you know, I'm a performer first and it was my first play that I'd written and I didn't know if people would like it, you know, and from everything I heard and experienced, they did. And now I have the knowledge that there is an audience for this and that, you know, we have quotes from reviews that we can use in advertising. We have the production stills. We have video of it. Um, we have evidence that this is worth your time. And, you know, as much as it may seem crazy to bring, what, five people uh, to Edmonton, that's five people who can split up and go around the festival and independently promote it. Um, so it's not just me doing all the legwork, which I really appreciate. I'm not going to ask, you know, everybody to do too much extra work. I am the producer for the show, but, you know, I think I'm going to be spending the next few months just focusing on like marketing and fundraising and grant writing. You know, I, I've got some fun ideas for for fundraiser type things. And, you know, I'm thinking about just writing a lot of the copy ahead of time of, of ways to advertise the show so that when we get closer to it, we can just focus on the art and getting there and then sort of just, you know, message people like crazy. And I don't know anybody in Edmonton personally. I mean, I know of people in Edmonton, but I know people who know people in Edmonton. And so I want to use this time to really pull on my resources. And I think compared to last time, I'm just a lot less scared to do that because I feel like I have some kind of place in this community now. And it's, um, again, like anyone saying, uh, you're worried that this is the biggest mistake of your life. I, I feel like I can almost guarantee that it's not like getting into the Toronto fringe in 2022, honestly changed my life. Um, I am a completely different artist now and I feel like it was my way in to my career that the pandemic felt like it had completely cut off. So I'm really excited to be doing it again. I went to the Toronto uh, Fringe for 2023 as a patron and I went to see 18 shows. I just love it. I love the community. I love the experience. So to get to do that in Edmonton, which is so huge, I just really want to just experience it all. I'm I'm sure I'll probably, you know, get absolutely exhausted, but it's an exhaustion that I very much look forward to. Every fringe festival is a roller coaster for the performers. I think years ago, I think I was I was doing a couple of cities and I had a moment in the middle of a fringe festival where I said to myself, if you don't feel completely demoralized, but at some point in the fringe and feel like a complete failure, then you're really doing a fringe tour. 
it happens. It is such a roller coaster. Uh, Tim, as a, as somebody who is is a fringe vet- veteran who's who's done festivals uh, for for quite some time, um, but now you're sort of pulling back. What's your relationship with the with fringe like now? Is it something that you looked look at as something from the past that you do occasionally? Like, how, what's your relationship with the with fringe itself like? Yeah, it used to be such a big part of of my life uh now it's so i mean it was really the pandemic uh that really started it uh and so now i mean auto fringe is great i'll, I'll go there and uh I, I go when i don't perform and now i just live vicariously through everybody and i'm so happy i can follow a, a whole new group of uh friends here and i mean i just uh i, I think some of you said it. it it really it changed my life uh i know i know you said Keith, like it's dependent on the lottery. I just think the lottery is so beautiful that it gives everyone a chance. Uh, and yeah, I've got a huge, I love fringe so much. And I mean, I joke that I'll take Davy and Juniper and my partner Grace uh, on a trip to Edmonton and Winnipeg. We'll see. Uh, so I just know I'll, I'll continue doing it. I have to rewrite some shows because I've, I've aged myself. But I just keep aging the character. Uh, but uh, but now I'm doing some more storytelling so that can work. And I have ideas, you know, for new shows. I, I just think Fringe is beautiful and I, I do miss it. But I, you know, I'm so happy with the, the life I have now that I wouldn't change it in any way. Uh, but I just think I'm so glad it's flourishing again. And seeing so many young people in Ottawa, I was just so amazed at the number of young people where I just felt when I was there, it was, it, it wasn't, it was people that were a bit more in the industry, but people just jumping right in and just saying, yeah, yeah, let's create a show and the community that's built. And the, a lot of us were solo performers, but there's much uh, larger groups. I, I think there's a new regeneration that's happening. That's just, it's really fun to see. One of the things that has, that I, I've noticed, and I, it excites me this year. So I was looking over the, the, the names of people who got into like the Toronto Fringe, for example. I think I don't, I think there's not a single name that I know. And from the entire time that I've lived in Toronto and 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 been involved with Fringe and been a Fringe goer, I think there are no names that I know, which is really exciting because because uh, that means that a whole lot of new people get to do this festival and to have the the Fringe experience. Um, uh, we are almost at the end of our time because um, I don't want to take up everybody's time. I know uh, people have have lives to get back to. I do want to say thank you to each of you. Uh, for for joining me, uh, and uh, and I look forward to uh, talking with you all as we get closer to uh, the festivals themselves. This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember, if you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy.